0: DRIVE BY CINEMA Three nachos
1: and a foaming thermos of fun Hello and welcome. It's Series 2, Episode 42, a level 42 of DRIVE BY CINEMA, the podcast where we watch the movies so you don't have to. By we, I mean me, Rick, and my co-host Paul.
0: Thank you, Richard. Hey, 42, maybe we'll discover the meaning of life this episode, or maybe not. I'm sure I said that last year also. Oh,
1: dear. Uh, You probably said that you need to use two hands to count the number of episodes. That's what you (laughs) used to normally say. I
0: I think eight times now. I, I don't need to use more than my hands to count that.
1: Yeah, we established there are clever ways of counting that might enable you to do that. I mean, you could. We did, yes.
0: Four and two, couldn't you? Joints on your fingers. Yeah, you could do that. I'm sure some societies use that.
1: Paul. Yeah. Did we make any mistakes in the last couple of episodes?
0: Well, our last movie was "Choose or Die," was it not? Choose or die. Glorious delve and deep dive into retro gaming, so to speak. Yes. And I don't
1: think we made any mistakes on that at all. I, no, I don't have any corrections at the moment. It was something I was vaguely thinking about, but it got lost and I, I can't think of it anymore. We should talk about this week's movie, presuming that you've actually watched it, Paul. I, I have, have a busy week. Hey, I have. I have.
0: I have watched it. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to chat all about it. But maybe after some musical stink. Oh, all right then. There we go.
1: Okay then, Paul. So, what's this movie called?
0: Uh, Refers to notes. Uh, This movie. (laughs) Brain buffers, brain buffers, brain buffers. This movie is called Dave Made a Movie. Am I right? A maze. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Can't get anything right. This movie is called Dave Made a Maze. Amazing. Yes. He didn't make a maze, as in the noun, uh, as in the... The verb amaze. He made a maze. Dave made a maze. A maze.
1: Yeah. And what's it all about?
0: What's it all about? This then. Uh, that's a really tough question. One that I don't think I'm entirely equipped to answer. It's all about this guy Dave. Right. Yeah. He makes he makes a maze seemingly out of cardboard, but it's more a maze of the mind. I think. Eventually, we find out. Oh. Also, it's a magical maze, or it's a surreal maze, or it's a transcendental maze, or it's. So
1: we're not exploring a, a maze of the physical geography. We're exploring no, the no, mind. we're not.
0: We're not headed down to Hampton Court to you know to look at the uh, neatly neatly pruned bushes or whatever.
1: But is it the maze of the character in the film, or is it, is it the mind of the filmmaker? Ooh, you're asking me to answer that. No, I think it's a rhetorical question, but we can kind of get to it anyway. Okay. Sorry, I missed the <laughs> key. What's the story then? How does this go? How does it go? It starts right. off.
0: Well, it all starts off very mundane, doesn't it?
1: It does, yeah. Because Annie, Dave's Dave Bird. Well, actually, it starts off, if I recall correctly, with an interview with Dave, like a TV interview, which turns out to be happening sort of mid movie later on, but we don't know that at the beginning. He's doing a television interview and he's he's saying something about. He said, I, "I built something because I wanted to build something." Ah, that is repeated. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I'd heard that before. You're right. Yeah. And then he uses the word tertiary
0: instead of tertiary, which I didn't even know was a word. So you
1: think he meant to say another word that isn't a word?
0: Well, later in the movie, the this excerpt from the larger interview that is we see in full is you know the full interview is replayed later in the movie. And he says tertiary twice. And the uh, filmmaker or rather the interviewer in the film crew says, actually, it's tertiarily. Uh There are some funny moments in this movie. That was one of them. In the same movie, he <laughs> says, everyone are. And the uh, movie maker says, everyone is. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's how I remember that he did actually say that in the in the interview. Sure. So it starts with an excerpt from Dave's later interview whilst he's in the maze that he's made.
1: But what does tertiary mean? Or what does tertiarily mean? On the third level. On the third level? Yeah. So he's using it in part of his explanation of why he did what he did. Yes. And he's saying that not only was there a surface level reason for doing it, and a, a subsurface layer reason, but there's a tertiary layer, which carries another reason for him doing it. Yes. That's why he repeats it. Okay. So his girlfriend now now is coming back home having been at work or, or out or whatever and she opens the door what
0: does she see? I mean she sees some cardboard boxes rather like your kids <laughs> when they're creating rockets in on the living room floor with cardboard boxes when they used to do that, that Did you used of, to do that? Oh definitely yeah but this is a rather extreme example of the isn't it? you know it's, it's quite well developed little sort of looks a bit like a little cardboard factory in the
1: middle of the uh, sitting room floor or whatever it's quite elaborate, yeah, but it's not that big, is it? No. It's easily contained in the confines of the of the living room. Dave says I think he's been working on it all weekend, and he assures Annie that it's much bigger inside than on the outside. Yeah, she's like, Dave, where
0: are you? He's like, I'm in here. <laughs> <laughs> Echo your voice. Well, where are you? I'm in here. It's much bigger on the inside than the outside.
1: Well, Annie, he, he seems to be having trouble getting out, and Annie says he should just break it down. And Yeah, and then she starts making
0: explore, exploratory forays, and like, well, I'm going to come in and find you. He's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Don't do that, you'll die. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's it's quite gigglesome to begin with, isn't it? Because it's like, oh, what do you mean? It's, it's some cardboard boxes. Why can't you come
1: in? And Dave doesn't want to break the maze down, even though he's sort of lost in it, because it's his work. He's sort of protective of it. Yes, there's that as well. Yeah, it's like, I put so much time
0: and effort into this. You can't just break it down. Besides the fact it's booby-trapped. If you do
1: that, you know, you'll die kind of thing, or I'll die, etc. Et so, look, at this point, were you uh, sympathetic to Dave and his maze? Or were you thinking, what an idiot? Why don't you just- I was thinking, what an idiot? And she's like, well, why don't you just come out? He's like, well, I can't do. I've you know, set booby-traps, and
0: I forgot why, where I set them, you know. I just can't come out. And then, like, I, I, I became more receptive to his plight at this point. Right, But, you know, you get the feeling that Dave's... I wouldn't say a bit of a twat, but, like, maybe a bit of a slacker, you know, kind of thing. And So one maybe... of the themes
1: of this film is that he feels he can never finish anything. Yes. And it becomes the main goal of the film, ultimately, to finish constructing the maze mm-hmm. so that they can destroy it. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's jumping ahead a bit, isn't it? But that's yeah. one of the themes is... As you say, he, he seems to be a bit of a slacker. He seems incapable of finishing any any project. And so the maze represents, I think, his failing in that regard in his life. Yes. and it's But also so- a
0: chance to maybe to, to make a success of something that he has control over, whereas life he doesn't necessarily have any control over yet.
1: So he tells Annie to call Gordon, who's presumably a trusted friend.
0: But Gordon just... Doesn't just turn up on his own, does he?
1: Weirdly. No, he invites a whole party, doesn't he? <laughs>
0: <laughs> including, I think it's some Swiss or Scandinavian tourists for some reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Leonard, another friend. Leonard, yeah. And a talk radio guy called Harry. Harry, yeah.
0: Okay. Who later transpires is the guy who does the interview with Dave in the main.
1: Yeah, so he's brought a film crew with him, a sound man and a cameraman. And he starts... Basically doing a piece, a journalistic piece about this whole maze situation. That's right, yeah. And he starts interviewing Annie at some stage. And at this point, Annie resolves that she's definitely going to enter the maze. And, because Harry is going to go to document it. And a bunch of other people say they want to go into. They all kneel down, crouch down, and they crawl in through the, <laughs> the opening of the maze. And of course, it is indeed bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. This uh, this trope, of course, is famous for Doctor Who viewers. The whole yes, bigger on the inside than the outside. It's it's not it's not just confined to Doctor Who though, is it really? Well, what what else is it in? *Line the Witch and the Wardrobe*. Okay, but in *Line the Witch and the Wardrobe*, are you seriously supposed to think that you're still in the wardrobe when you're in Narnia? I guess not. No. So, in, in that sense, I'm not sure I agree with you. It's a portal, isn't it, ha- that happens to be at the back of a wardrobe. True. I don't think True. you're in a wardrobe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. But, so where else, then, Or is that your only other example?
0: Uh, that springs to mind, yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry, uh, are you a Doctor Who fan?
0: Uh, Am I a Doctor Who fan? I happened to watch some recently on Forces TV. TV channel that nobody else seems to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of, like, the most random sort of repeats. I'm sure I spoke about this in the previous podcast.
1: You have TV. talked about watching Forces TV, Paul. I don't know why. But not
0: Doctor Who. right?
1: Not Doctor Who, no. no. Right, well, Doctor Who, I, I I just
0: found, really, the pace of it compared to modern TV, scarily,
1: scarily slow. So which Doctor were you watching, then? Good old Baker. Okay, Tom Baker. He was the Doctor Who when we were kids. He's sort of my Doctor
0: Who. Ben. He is. He's edgier than the rest, isn't he? There's a manic energy to him that I think invests... You know, that you can believe he's a Time Lord. Yes.
1: <laughs> or a drug addict, yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> a drug addict, you know. And it's got that, that... That Doctor Who's got that whole feel. It kind of feels like the dog end of the 70s anyway. Like, it's just like... It's, <laughs> it's just so... Uh quite depressing really to watch, I think. that It's just lacking kind of vim and vigour, isn't it? It's quite all it feels just very drawn out and weird and and generally genuinely disconcerting, I think, particularly for children to watch. It's those um, kind
1: of tremolo synth stings. Yes. <laughs> that's
0: what I'm thinking of, you know. You can just smell the dirty streets of London in it, you know. It's like it's sci-fi, but you can just tell where it's been written, you know. Uh so, yeah, but, uh, I mean, at the time I was a huge fan of Doctor Who, but I haven't really returned to it in adulthood, so I can't really call myself a fan of Doctor Who, now. And I certainly haven't. Sylvester, what's he called? Sylvester McCoy. called? Sylvester McCoy. I mean, I just can't accept him as a doctor, I'm sorry.
1: He isn't the doctor anymore, Paul. I there's been many doctors since then. I <laughs> know.
0: And, and then uh, the guy who was in All Creatures Great and Small, what's he called? Oh, God. I don't know who he is, but I just can't accept him as a Doctor either. I think he's always going to be Tom, you know, Tom Baker for me and nobody else, to be honest with you.
1: When they rebooted Doctor Who after a, a, a hiatus with Christopher Eccleston. That's right, Christopher Eccleston, yeah. I think you might be quite pleased by Christopher Eccleston as Doctor Who. I think he mm-hmm. might, he might meet your requirements for a Doctor Who. Yeah. Worth giving it a try anyway, Paul. Maybe check out Forces TV and see what other repeats they've got. After. <laughs>
0: so you're right. Okay. So, I mean, it is pretty unique for Doctor Who that we got into, we go into a space and, and the space on the inside is bigger than it is on the outside. Like, uh, uh, fair point. A Very fair point. I was just trying to say there may be some parallels with other stuff too. Richard, sorry, you. what point were you making? I don't think I had a point. I'd, it's oh. just an interesting... No, it's a good observation. It's, a it's
1: interesting that people are prepared to accept this so readily. I mean, in Doctor Who, they play it off like it's got to be explained to everybody, and everyone's supposed to be amazed by it. But actually, I don't think anyone has much of a problem with the fact that you can have things that are bigger on the inside than on the outside, do they? I I mean, Doctor Who, you just kind of accept it, don't you? Exactly. It's, fu- it's the future. <laughs> so they find themselves inside where everything is made of cardboard. Amusingly so, yeah. It's like one big art project, isn't it?
0: Now, I read in the notes that uh, actually they were really lucky because they were next to this central sort of warehouse of American Apparel where they were filming this. And there was just oodles and oodles of spare cardboard there. Otherwise, it would have been expensive to make the movie.
1: (laughs) Imagine you had to buy all that cardboard. I think what you're saying here, then, is that the budget for this movie couldn't have been that big.
0: Uh, it wasn't big. They won an award for uh, Sundance at the Sundance Festival for, like, Best best Story or something like that. Uh, however, it only took $35,000 at the box office, I guess, because it didn't get anything like a general release, did it, or, or, or a wide release.
1: <sighs> That's not much, is it?
0: No, but I imagine it's taken a lot more in terms of streaming and subscription. We have to assume it's a... Fairly low budget film. However, I thought the general production volumes were very professional, and uh, they hadn't skimped on the titles. For example, you know, so yeah, I don't know really in terms of how much they spent on it. It certainly doesn't tell me on, on online any easily accessible source what the budget was for this movie. I don't think they're particularly well known actors, are they?
1: It has a little bit of a feel though of a sort of TV special in a way. Mm-hmm. It, it, I suppose it's all because. It's all done on little sort of sets, cardboard sets, literally cardboard (laughs) sets. You know, you feel as though it could be made in a TV studio. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it is impressive what they did, it has a weird feel to it, I find. It didn't didn't feel like watching a movie for me. It felt a bit like watching an art piece. I see. One of the side characters, actually, is played by a musician, a guy from OK Go?, No way! I loved OK Go when they did that thing on the treadmills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, OK Go are kind of famous for their videos, aren't they? They are, yeah. And I did feel like, really, this film feels a bit like a very extended pop video. You know, a concept taken to its extremes. I'll tell you what it is like. It's a bit like Take On Me by Uh (laughs) Aha. Well, that's the ultimate concept pop video, isn't it? That's the animated thing that comes to life, isn't it? Take On Me. And very famously changed, you know, changed the game for music videos. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, Completely changed the game. Although I don't know. I think Duran
0: Duran might have changed the game with things like Rio. Just changed the game in a different kind of way. You know, with their extremely high production value stuff like Rio and stuff like that.
1: Duran Duran, although they did some crazy things and certainly spent some money, at the end of the day, it's still the band Standing in front and singing, isn't it?
0: Well, posing in pastel.
1: uh, (laughs) Really
0: nice pastel, though. Way before Miami Vice did it.
1: Whereas uh Aha! They tell like a complete story. It's like a miniature movie, isn't it? Told through the medium of animation.
0: Richard, Duran Duran is singing at the front of a 60 long foot schooner. Come on. (laughs) Living the high life. Then they, you know... They slip off they they slip off and uh, sipping cocktails in a setting sun in the Bahamas. You're talking it's about just, Rio
1: here, aren't you? Oh fabulous, yeah. Alright. So what happens in this
0: maze? Well, okay. For me there are like I guess there are maybe five or six stages to them entering the maze. Dave ain't there, yeah, they're gonna, gonna find him. So they all say We're They can hear him
1: though. He's shouting at them.
0: Yeah. yeah. But there's a maze to get through, yeah. Okay. His mates and the Presumably, some of whom are also on the... Then No, I mean, I don't think the people on the TV team are his mates, are they? They're just mates of his mate. mates, well, they of work mates with, I think, yeah. Work with his mate, yeah, okay.
1: So they head in,
0: uh, along with his girlfriend, uh, whose name I've forgotten, I'm really sorry.
1: Annie. Annie, And okay. They find a button, a red button, that they can push. Yes. And when you push it, it punches Gordon, which <laughs> is funny. <laughs>
0: so he's the first of the gang to get hurt, yeah.
1: But I don't think he dies at this point, does he? And then they find a giant keyboard where Annie finds she can walk through the black keys, like doorways. It's oh. a vertical like keyboard. And by keyboard, I mean like a musical keyboard, not a QWERTY keyboard. Has Bryn died at this point? No, I don't think so. And then they find that they're in a room full of scrap paper. Like it's all like screwed up paper forming a sort of ball pit, kind of a sea. There's a giant mouth at one end of the room. And for some reason, I think, I don't know why, they decided that the way to get out of this room is sensibly by going through the giant mouth, which is sort of chomping. Well, it's a good guess. It's a good guess, you know what I mean? And then the film team get attacked by a giant origami swan.
0: That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Have you written this down, Richard? Of course, oh, I had God.
1: to write this down. Yeah, oh, it's good. Somebody their work In many ways.
0: No, so what, Gordon gets hurt at this point, doesn't he? And he loses his body, and he's just left with a head. Is that right, or something? I, I don't remember that. Is that happen? Yeah,
1: I thought Gordon hap- gets gets through this okay. If that happens. Is it Gordon? I'll, I'll have to check it out.
0: Sorry. Continue with your with your brief synopsis of what's going to happen because none of this I remember. I'm about to I'm about to butt in rudely as soon as I understand anything or remember anything that happened in the movie and none of this, like, well I do remember now you mentioned it but it wasn't going to be any part of my explanation of what happens in the maze
1: Well the crew interview Annie about Dave's importance to her and stuff like a a headshot that they would insert into the documentary about it are we supposed to do you think we're supposed to conclude that this film is the documentary No, it can't be because we see the cameraman No we're not supposed to conclude that then there's a very enthusiastic lady who came into the maze with them. But we don't really know much about her. And the reason for that is she steps on a footplate, which is kind of shaped like a foot, but sticking up out of the ground like a pedal. And she- Oh, her name is Jane. I remember this bit. Yeah. So she, she steps on it at like a circular saw shoots out and slices her head off. And all this red paper <laughs> but, yeah, tape. This She's is up. amazing. Now, last, last movie, we
0: had a guy who was killed, and instead of spewing blood, he spewed videotape. But here we get her just turning into cardboard as a whole, basically. Is that right?
1: This happened several times, doesn't it? They, they turn yeah. to cardboard.
0: Okay, so I was wrong. It's not Gordon that gets hurt. It's Greg, but I don't really know who Greg is.
1: Yes, Greg and Bryn, the couple... And I think Gre- I think Greg is the one played by the OK Go cast member. Um, Whoa. I think that's right. Greg and Bryn are playing hide-and-seek in the maze.
0: Just to interrupt, sorry, just hold your thought, Richard. Danger, Holy. Danger, Electricity. What was the name of that band who were, like, at the same time as OK Go doing, Danger, like, Danger, High Voltage. Voltage, Electricity. Every time, we touch. They <laughs> were, like, of that kind of quirky... Is that Electric Six? Electric Six, yeah. Sorry, continue. Just a brief... Unconnected <laughs> okay, <interesting> memory there. <laughs> I, I connect the two bands together. Okay, going electric I kind of watch them the same year on YouTube. Though.
1: Greg and Bryn. Greg couple, and Bryn, yeah. Loved yeah. up couple are playing hide and seek in the maze yeah. as you do in a maze with your significant other. And Greg trips on a string tripwire and he gets spiked on cardboard tubes that have been sort of hammered into a board or something like a <laughs> Vietnamese like uh, pit trap. But these things apparently pierce his body, and like red string shoots out of the cardboard tubes.
0: <laughs> have we seen the Flemish tourists at any point in the maze? At this point, I don't think we have, have we?
1: They make occasional appearances, don't they? it's
0: Having a picnic, basically.
1: But our heroes, if you like, find hoof prints, which they conclude must be the Minotaur. Did Br- did Bryn die at that point? She did, didn't she? Mm. Did Brynn die, or did she run through the maze? No, I think she ch- shows up later. No, she's
0: okay she? at that point, isn't she? Yeah. 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 The, Minotaur, the Minotaur, yeah. Sorry, Rich.
1: So, this, of course, comes from the Greek myth and legend about King Minos and his labyrinth, inhabited by a Minotaur, That's forever right. cementing the idea of mazes with bull-headed human hybrids. I don't know what's going on.
0: But uh, who cuts through the wall and realises that it's one big hive kind of thing? Annie. Annie cooks cuts through
1: the wall with a box. She gets cutter. a craft knife, yeah, and she yeah. decides to cut her way out. But they just wind up in another room. She wasn't really successful, was she? And it's at this point the Minotaur
0: turns up again and snatches Bryn. She's taken by the Minotaur,
1: isn't, isn't it? Isn't she? As you say, she's, it snatches yeah. her
0: so at this point we're like 35-40 minutes in and for me it's been quite a lot of whimsical ironic action that I haven't really enjoyed I've loved like the cardboard blood and you know the paper blood and all that sort of stuff and I've loved the general idea of a cardboard maze that's potentially actually dangerous you know on some level or the level it's presented but it hasn't really entertained me at this point however I think it's here that the movie for me turned better I would say turned good
1: that's an interesting observation. I think one of the problems of this whole movie is it never really establishes what the stakes really are. Yeah. You don't get much sense of tension with any of these things.
0: And it's built as a comedy adventure horror. And I don't think there's much horror in there, really. Is there?
1: And I don't think there's much comedy. And I'm not sure about the adventure. <laughs> I mean, they are, they are, after all, in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it, ter- it turned better at this point, okay? So is this, at this where point,
0: Dave starts? Dave turns up, yeah, Dave turns up. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, half the mission accomplished, you know, we found Dave, at least.
1: What is it about the film that improved when Dave arrives? Uh, I think at this
0: point, the comedy definitely improved. Can I just get, say three things that happened? I won't, I won't necessarily say them in order. We've got a point uh, where they're all facing a giant cardboard vagina. And uh, Dave has already put his hand in there and has come out with a scar, you know, a scar. But his hand has turned to a scarred. Yeah, when we meet Dave, he's wearing a glove. That's right. Yeah, because
1: he's embarrassed about the fact that his hand has turned to cardboard.
0: (laughs) Because he put his hand in the cardboard vagina. It's the making of his own mind.
1: Which is the logic of the film.
0: Yeah. So I I found that really funny, and then he says to Gordon, and I think the fact that the jokes come back to back here that made it funny. Well, I made it for you, and Gordon's like, I have no trouble getting girls whatsoever. It's just mindless chatter, but I thought it was quite funny. Second thing. What's the second funny thing I thought that happened? Uh, Was when they're trying to escape the Minotaur a few minutes later on. The Minotaur's breaking through the cardboard walls. And so to stop the Minotaur coming through the door, they cover the door with a towel, and that works. I thought that was really funny.
1: Well, yeah, that's cardboard fort equivalent with door, isn't it? It's impenetrable.
0: And then, of course, they put a chair in front of the in front of the towel uh, and uh, that really blocks the minotaur's path i thought that was dead dead funny <laughs> i don't know what and number 3 number 3 obviously is uh, the interview where the interviewer keeps correcting dave's diction in english i just thought it was really funny and <laughs> finally uh, the fourth really funny thing is when they meet brin who's like this chained medusa like devil woman who could see herself, you know, she's got this cute kind of temptress voice. High five! Give me a high five! You know. But then uh, when you provoke her, like the eyes turn red and she starts speaking her demonic truth. A bit like the. Is it the demon in the fridge in Ghostbusters? It is in the fridge, yes. Uh, so there's like there's some really hammy sort of demon eyes going on. Uh, but she has a good line which is saying, you know, why you like this, Bryn? Why have me been possessed by a devil or words to that effect? She's like, well, life is just a series of inconsequential, incomplete and unsatisfying events, in her sort of demonic voice. (laughs) And I thought that was, again, it's not a gag, but I thought some (laughs) of the ironic observational comedy, some of the attitude of the comments were were really funny. At this point, for about 20 sustained minutes in the movie, the middle part I thought was the strongest
1: bit. When Dave finds them, Annie opens some kind of hatch, and they go through it and emerge into a room with false perspective. It's like an Ames room, if you know what that is. Can I
0: just interrupt? Do they not all shrink to little puppet-sized people? That happens immediately time?
1: after this, yeah. Oh, okay, That's sorry. That's the you next scene. You know, you know what an Ames room is, where all the I didn't know. Ang- the angles are constructed oh, yeah. in such a way yeah. that the perspective looks They're wrong. They're cool. To. So we get a good couple of minutes where the different cast members, you know, the different members of the team come into this room and do something to, to show... That this perspective is weird, you know, like picking up a teacup and it turns out to be giant, that kind of thing. Which felt a little forced, just like perspective. What What are these rooms called again? Ames Rooms. Can you spell that? Ames, as in? A-M-E-S. A distorted room that Word. creates an optical illusion. Yeah. Ames Rooms. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Then Dave opens a box in the Ames Room, I think, and jumps in. And they all follow, <laughs> and they emerge from some pipes as cardboard puppets. That's right, yeah. Which is, I like that too. It's pretty cute. But not horror. The Minotaur chases them into another pipe and they emerge as people again. This is when Dave tapes up the towel and he I think <laughs> they describe it as an old fort trick and it does deter the Minotaur. And this is where Dave has the inspiration that they should be finishing the maze instead of trying to escape it. Mm-hmm. I think he reveals his hand has he's been made of cardboard suddenly.
0: I mean, the maze is in a sense his dissatisfaction, isn't it? So if you can complete the maze, then he'll finally be satisfied with something in his life. He goes had a nice little diatribe about life and how he's failing in life at some point. I'm not sure if it's here. 30, living with his parents, unable to do anything, but beg uh for, for insecure muck jobs. And Gordon says, You you know, you're a pussy, you've cut your beard off. He says, you know, I had an interview, kind of thing. So I, I think we're given we're given quite strong pointers here that the maze is there because how dave's life is i think we're supposed to draw that conclusion whether or not the fool's being constructed with such artifice or not is another matter but...
1: there are these lines that keep cropping up that seem to be dave talking about himself rather than the maze aren't they yeah and they do keep talking about fear of failure and stuff and he talks about all having to face their fear of failure
0: most of us just fail though so there's no fear involved as to do she's gonna face your failure not face your fear of failure Facing fears of failures is, is, is like, that's that's an act of privilege, isn't it, really? Not all of us get to face the fear. Some of us just fail completely.
1: <laughs> now, this was a fairly clever bit. They emerge from the entrance of the maze, but now they're in an apartment that's entirely cardboard.
0: <laughs> Again, a strong point of the movie. It's like, oh, they've got out. Oh, no, they're still in the maze. They're outside, <laughs> but outside, inside the maze. Loved it. Like,
1: what are these lines that I'm talking about, crops up, is Dave says something like, I'm in a completely new place now. I'm a new guy. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he determines that they need to build something called the Chrysalis, which I suppose they mean by the the centre of the maze, but of course... Maybe
0: like the the boss level, I think.
1: But a Chrysalis, of course, is also the site of a metamorphosis of You know, Ah, from a caterpillar to a butterfly, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. But generally, I thought, you know, circles
0: within circles, wheels within wheels, you know, down shoots into a smaller world, back into a big world, into the outside that's still on the inside, you know. These windmills of my mind stuff I thought was done, on the whole, really well. You get the idea, you know, this is somebody whose neuroticism and worrisome, ceaseless ceaseless tinkering of his own mind has, has left him, directionless and confusing traps. So, so yeah, I thought that came across eventually, but not immediately, unfortunately, for this movie.
1: Uh, as you say, they find Brynn tied up and all cardboarded. <laughs> this is funny, yeah. And as you say, she's... yelling high five! High five! <laughs> did you not like this, or did you just find it annoying? But I don't know what it means. I'm constantly it doesn't, bothered no, in it this doesn't
0: though. mean No, it doesn't mean anything. It's just really funny. She's like, it's really crap demon trying to disguise herself as a human by saying high five in <laughs> a really robotic way. I, I, I thought it was funny. I'm sorry. It was funny.
1: You'd have to apologize for liking it. I'd love to understand it. Am I trying to see too much of a meaning in a film? That's Well, really, I think you've
0: fun? hit on the point, you know, it's, it's a bit of fun, but it's, it's digging at the fact that, you know, when we watch horror movies, we're not watching horror and we're not even watching some alacrums or, you know, reinventions of horror or representations of horror. Was simply looking at movie direct, movie director, movie writers' really crappy ideas <laughs> to make a movie, and I think yeah. that kind of that did come through. Now you've mentioned it, that does come through in the movie if if you care to notice it.
1: Well, also you know the whole idea of making everything out of cardboard, brilliant in a way. Good. It's, come on. It's, it's a movie making trope isn't it the studios are made of cardboard exactly yeah yeah. or increasingly just CGI these days but certainly on crossroads they were same thing applies same thing applies right
0: it's it's making fourth wall parts fourth wall points but in quite a sophisticated way I think there's a scene where they share coffee is that hmm. oh it's when they get back to the outside that's on the inside and then Dave becomes real but actually it's cardboard pretending to be real or something I didn't really get that and they do share coffee and a bit of wine it's like a replay of them having breakfast every morning or something. Weird. Is that what, that, you, is what you're talking about?
1: I think so, yeah. That, that that struck me as being really weird.
0: I think that's talking about them facing reality so that Dave can get out of the maze, isn't
1: it? Something. So then Dave and Annie create a chrysalis, which they describe as the power source.
0: With only one intention, to destroy it.
1: Yeah, so a clever a nice idea here, isn't it? That The way to destroy the maze is to destroy its power source, but actually it didn't have a power source because Dave hadn't finished the maze. So now he (laughs) makes the power source (laughs) so he can destroy the maze. (laughs) Some really good, silly,
0: riotous gags, I think, going on.
1: And Annie starts cutting to the centre with a katana. Bryn becomes a giant hand, (laughs) (laughs) which is a rope. The cameraman gets sucked in at this point. I think he's probably had it. Meanwhile, Annie is making this chrysalis. They put it on a record player to make it spit. Uh, Leonard is unfortunately killed by buzzsaws.
0: Ah, uh, that's a zoetrope, isn't it? They make a little, like, pre film animation. You know, the things that uh, used to spin yeah, around? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In Victorian times. So, again, reference to filmmaking. Ames Rooms, reference to Studio Sets. You know, I think it's. Now, looking at it, it's quite explicit. They're talking about the process of movie-making here on the, and the unreality of it, I
1: think. They destroy the chrysalis and the maze unmakes itself. And they're left in an apartment full of, you know, um, cardboard. Uh, are they back in the real world at this point? Back in the real world, yeah.
0: No place like home echoes. But are they all back or did the people that die die? That, I, I don't know. Yeah. Because if they did die, they're not traumatic enough about it, are they? But then if your friends disappeared, not through a, a horrific death, but by car- death by cardboard, you wouldn't really be upset, would you? It's like, oh, they've just vanished. It'd just be,
1: oh. Kind of well, until you realise I mean, they were never coming back, maybe. I, I know, but know. it wouldn't be like
0: death, death, would it? It'd be like, oh, they've <laughs> vanished by some weird universal trickery.
1: As long as you can just pop them in the recycling with all the other cardboard, I guess you're okay. Because
0: <laughs> I thought we'd have hints of like little hands still creeping through the discarded cardboard, but we didn't. So it's it's just left unfinished, doesn't it? You know, well, they clean up.
1: They do put everything in the recycling. And then the Minotaur emerges from the recycling pile.
0: Holding a sign. What was the sign saying? I don't know. Ah, I oh, hope it was the cue for a sequel. <laughs> 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 anyway... Yeah, and that's the end of the movie, so... Wow, okay. I I guess we've come to the end. I I don't really
1: want to talk that much more about it, to be honest with you. The OK Go musician who's in this film is Timothy Nordwind, and he's the bass player in OK Go.
0: Whoa. I mean, it gets great reviews on the aggregators. Rotten Tomatoes, 86% reviews. uh, Rating by viewers, 7.5. Great scores elsewhere. Metacritic, 60 out of 100. But, I think, to a large extent, the audience must be self-selecting. Like, I, th- I think if you show this on down at the o- Odeon at, on a Friday night, certainly things would be thrown at the screen, wouldn't they? So <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> like uh, well, it's, it's no. I mobile, like the fact uh, that people. Movie, is it? No, I like the fact that people who like this kind of movie were able to find this kind of movie and like it. But like, I, I genuinely don't feel that to a wider audience even a sympathetic wider audience, it would get the scores that it got.
1: I guess I sound quite negative about it. But Mm -hmm. I actually... It's a light-hearted movie, and it's quite... Oh, it's riotous
0: fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just feel slightly dissatisfied by it. It doesn't... I've got no right to expect this film to satisfy me, so I don't feel wronged by that. But there's something about it that doesn't totally... Well, the fact it wasn't trying
0: to say anything whatsoever. Well, and if it was, it didn't... Communicated. Say, it it me. didn't communicate it well at all. Yeah.
1: Except yeah. for this general idea about you know a thirty-year-old guy having a pre-midlife crisis where he realizes he can't finish anything. And I mean, you know, everybody has that, right? Maybe there are some superhuman people who like always finish everything they do, who don't have that experience. But I think it's a very, very normal thing to think.
0: Yeah, I, I like I like the set of dry, sarcastic comments from his mates, kind of thing. Yeah, it's just a. Uh... I mean, some of it was quite well observed. I imagine lots of people live in friendship groups that are like that. It's a riotously fun movie, It just left me with a slightly queasy feeling. I don't know, it's just... They hadn't really set the equaliser to the right levels on on various parts of it. Or maybe that's down to our expectation these days of being pre-programmed to expect movies to run in a certain direction and in a certain way.
1: Have you ever handled large amounts of... Corrugated cardboard, you know. Oh, I
0: hate it. You've, your hands go dry. I really hate the way it takes. You yeah. It, oh, I hate and it. And you get
1: get little paper cuts everywhere yeah. from the very sharp edges of it all. It'd be I
0: don't like. I don't like cardboard. No. So the, you know, the set building <laughs> here must have been an act of act of admirable torture. Labor, really? Yeah. yeah. All right. Scores, Rich. Can we head to scores? Yeah. Okay, Paul. Let's paddle to the downstream section of this canoe slalom. Into the quieter waters. Right, well, we've got to decide on categories. Obviously, I think we've got to talk about script. It has won an award at Sundance 2017, I think, for best narrative feature. Not sure what that means, narrative feature. (laughs) Uh, Part of the story, I guess. I guess we've got to talk about the actors. They're relatively unknown, but what kind of job do they do? The other two categories, Richard,
1: are really up for you to choose. Well, Okay. Like it, it is an artsy movie, isn't it? So we it's also of, a comedy. we have got to talk about mood, like the the impression that it sends, don't we? Okay, impact and impression. Okay, yes,
0: impact, impression, and ideation. Maybe because you were saying maybe ideation was questionable.
1: And comedy? What we're gonna score it on laughs? Like how many laughs did it make us? I'm gonna
0: do? Uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna fourth category is comedy, stroke, horror. To what extent <laughs> did it fill either of those two remits? <laughs> Okay, Is that okay? Are we cool with that? I'm cool with that, yes. Let's just jump into uh, narrative features, otherwise known as the plot and storyline. Yeah, I'm not sure really what it wanted in a war for. I, I kind of like the whole way it was structured, you know, the jumps into inner worlds of inner worlds and out again, and, and that uh, decoy there where it's almost like the, the villain is dead, they get out, but oh no, they're still stuck in there kind of thing. It's the cardboard world imitating the outside world. I liked all that. Generally, it, it felt as unhinged as *Rays of the Lost Art We were just everywhere and nowhere and down tolls for no particular reason. Are they trying to imitate art here? Is art trying to imitate commercial art? I don't know. But uh, for me, the story
1: was patchy at best. I'm going to have to score it a 6.5. Hmm, yeah. 6. A six, a 6. It is somewhat of a problem that you know, th- th- there's no stakes. They're kind of washed out. There's no real sensible plotline, Although it's cute, although it's a bit of a laugh, the idea of making the centre of the maze so that you can destroy the maze. It, it doesn't hang together logically, does it? And I don't really get the message properly other than the very obvious surface ones. So. But oh, having said that, it's unique. There's nothing else quite unique. like it. Yeah. I'll give it a five. It's a... <laughs> Either which way, I think, for me. Okay,
0: actors, I thought they did a good job. You know, it wasn't brilliant, it wasn't bad. I'm going to score a C.
1: It's a difficult thing to act, I imagine, as well. You know, having to do everything in cardboard and yet carry everything off as if it were happening for real.
0: I most liked the guy who did the TV interviewing role. I thought it was really he was really dry. Good. He was good, yeah. Really dry. He delivered his lines with the real real effects. So great.
1: So for acting, go on, I'll go 7.
0: Whoa. I present indeed. Okay, moving on to impact, impressions, and ideation.
1: What did you think about all that, Rich? Arti- artiness. It didn't leave much of an impact on me at all, really. Except that it is weird and it is kind of unique.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's so weird, but it's so
1: light-hearted, isn't it? At yeah. The same time? Yeah, that's right. It's weird, but not creepy weird. Yeah. It's just kind of it's a sort of delight, but it's also very forgettable. I think actually.
0: It is, you know, it's like burning those expensive candy wrappers that you have at <laughs> a posh... Do you, know you know those posh, posh sweets you have at the end of a really posh Italian meal? And you light the wrappers and they float up yeah. like, little, like little butterflies and then flutter away into ash. It's like that, it's like a little frippery, it's like it's like glowworms in, on the beach, or oh, not the beach, whatever you call them, glowworms in the night kind of thing, isn't it really? It's, it's enchanting, but no more than that really,
1: yeah what was i tell you what, something I didn't like mm. in the flat one of the people who ended up coming to the party or invited there was a homeless guy and, yeah and he knows about cardboard that's it that was the joke that they went for he's like some kind of cardboard expert that's a bit off isn't it I didn't days. like that I didn't like that at all and he spent the mo- all of the movie not in the maze but outside like raiding the fridge
0: <laughs> that's it a-
1: I don't know I
0: I mean, in, maybe in a National Lampoon movie, but... Like, <laughs> well, you know, there's an idea that the the, the, the humour's going to be a little bit off and outré, but
1: I don't think ever they were going for that feel, were they? I've got to give it a four here. Mm. It's perfectly inoffensive, but it's also perfectly, as you say, it, uh, insubstantial. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's all about the process of movie making and the fact that, you know,
0: beyond the fourth wall, there's this other wall of, the creator's imagination and what's going on in there they're looking to complete a movie rather than tell a story maybe they're trying to say something like that but they they didn't say it effectively the only impact it had on me was and the impression both of them was the idea that you know it's it's this little two hour piece of fancy that occasionally delights and certainly entertains but isn't much more than that I'm gonna give it another six I'm afraid For oh, this scoring sixes all the way through Finally, Richard,
1: comedy slash horror. Did it fulfill either of those remits? It's not horrific, is it? There's no, no gore because it is all cardboard. There's a minor tool, but you don't, you know, not really sure what he does to you. Maybe he turns you into cardboard, but then so does the vagina. It's a sort of saying, you know, they're saying, well, you know, movies that are scary are just
0: like this. But the difference is they're convincing, aren't they? Yes. Their effects are convincing. So. Like, are they just making that really bland point about movies are not real, guys? Well, we know that.
1: And if so, it's not a horror, is it? It's a commentary on horror, but it's not horror in itself.
0: That would be like saying, well, you know, like, The World's Best Roller Coaster isn't scary because you're not going to come off the tracks. Okay. So, I don't know what they're, I don't know yeah. what they're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the World's Best roller coaster, roller coaster is scary.
1: Yeah, but this movie isn't scary.
0: I know, but it, it's, not a, it's not a good <laughs> roller coaster, is it? It's like a 10-foot roller no. coaster. And they say, well, <laughs> why, why isn't this just as scary as a horror movie? Well, it's not, because it's not as scary, is it? Yeah. If, I'm going to say, if they're trying to make that point, I don't think it's a valid point.
1: Given the due, though, uh, I mean, do they, they themselves call it a horror movie? Is that how it, just how it gets classified? That's well? how it's built. That's how it's built. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they didn't write it. In Which way. is why I'm giving you the option to score it on comedy instead. And the problem with that is, light-hearted yes, an occasional jokes, but on the whole it's not particularly funny. You may find it I think you found it funnier than I did
0: I laughed out loud on several occasions, I thought some of this was really really funny in, in a nice light hearted way So comedy, and comedy only, not horror I'm going to score an 8.
1: Mark Kermode would say I think that if it, if it gives you three laughs, proper laughs, then it's a comedy Oh wow I don't think it's that good as a comedy, but it is quite light hearted, so I'll give it a 6 comedy wow Hmm.
0: okay final scores i've been sixes all the way through apart from my last score uh i think it does actually deserve a seven coming with a caveat you might really hate this
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah who do you recommend it to anyone who likes things that are a bit out there that are slightly off kilter (laughs) really off kilter (laughs) really off kilter (laughs) But it's not hard to
0: follow, you see. That's the great thing about it. It, it. You can just watch it and follow it and ignore the fact that it probably doesn't mean anything whatsoever.
1: It is a six. I think it's a six, you're ah. right. It's it's recommend. Yeah, have a go, have a look at it, see so what you think, it's cute. And it's unique. You won't see anything quite like it. But yeah, I wouldn't slay yourself to get, to get it. It
0: is it. unique. You won't see another movie like it, I can promise you that. And for that reason, I, I do recommend. It's a, it's a definite recommend. Because it's just so different. I I found it quite enervating and quite refreshing compared to a lot of the movies that we watch. Oh. Well. Yeah. And that's really where my score comes from. The seven.
1: So I definitely recommend. So Paul, let's try and find another movie that will depress you or upset you properly then, shall we? Maybe a real horror. <laughs> How about that? For next week. Oh Let's okay. get back oh. on, on on track of uh disturbing Paul or, or making him
0: these movies have made my life hell for the last two years I have to say <laughs> you know, some of them are really really not not sat well with me at all harrowing <laughs> harrowing would be the word for it I, th- I think when Richard started I think it was a particular, particular part where Richard moved away from the horror to the sort of docu- docu-art focuses <laughs> on, on modern life heroin addiction what was it called? sorry Requiem for a Dream Requiem for a Dream thank you that was a real low point for me can I carry on talking about these movies can I carry on watching these movies I'm not sure and then Richard said (laughs) well it's you know what is art for art isn't there to entertain us to which I haven't found a convincing (laughs) counter argument when I have a counter argument I'll happily close it to my laptop and not watch any more of these ever again so Richard it comes at night would that be a good suggestion
1: that is a good suggestion. I have a counter suggestion of horror. Escape Room Two, the sequel. Oh, do not tempt room.
0: me. Oh, well, I enjoyed Escape Room. I think we both did actually, even though we had a laugh at it. But it is um, a sequel. It is a sequel. Se- sequels don't usually sit well, do they? I'm going to plump for It Comes at Night. I don't know what you think. It comes at night. Oh, okay. it comes at night. Then it is. It's a real horror this time, right? To the best of my knowledge, which is not a lot, he says, rushing to look it up as we talk. I think it is indeed. A real gory horror, a mystery. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's free to watch. I think we're going to have to watch it on Amazon Prime, but for two forty nine. So Richard, yeah, it's not available uh, free. We're going to have to watch it either on YouTube or on Amazon Prime for a small fee. All right. It comes at night. Until the next time. Sleep well. Don't have nightmares.
1: Goodbye.
0: Ciao for now. See you on the next one.